This is a 3CR community radio podcast. In Psychedelia is broadcast every Sunday from 2pm. For more info on anything you hear in the show, head to 3cr.org.au and follow the links to the Encyclopedia program page. Thank you for tuning in to Encyclopedia, where we neither condone nor condemn people for their choices they make regarding to the psychoactive substances they put in their body. You are on 3CR, and this is what we're going to be talking about for the next uh, hour or so. Thank you to Freedom of Species, uh, who will be back next week from 1pm. 3cr.org.au is the place to go if you want to find out more about uh, Freedom of Species and subscribe to their podcast. It's also the place where you can subscribe to our own and I've uh, just made sure that our podcast, which I was a little stuck on for the past month, has been all updated so if you want to catch up on anything that you might have missed, 3cr.org.au follow the links to the Encyclopedia program page uh, and uh, also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and do get in contact with us too. We do love to hear from you, uh, whether you've got a uh, comment, a complaint uh, or some kind of content request that you might have. Uh, anything we want to hear from you. We love the feedback. 3cr.org.au and the Encyclopedia program page is the place to be. We've got a very bu- busy program today. Happy International Harm Reduction Day to you. Uh, if you're online right now, hashtag IHRD17 is the place to go uh, to follow the conversation online. Um, we are going to be speaking about harm reduction today uh, with a number of people. Uh, first up, we're going to be speaking with Judy Ryan from the Victoria Street uh, Drug Solutions Group. Uh, she's a resident in the Victoria Street area down in Abbotsford uh, and has been talking a lot about the medically the need for a medically supervised injecting centre, uh, something that we've heard a lot about something that many organisations and many people have called for, but still the government drags its heels on this issue because they uh, don't want to be lampooned on, you know, law and order issues, um, which is a little pathetic because uh, in doing that, they're actually harming people and they're making law and order issues worse. So we'll be speaking with Judy Ryan. We're also going to be catching up with Nevena Sporovska from the High Alert campaign, a response to Operation Safe Night uh, by Victoria Police in the Chapel Street area, uh, which is taking sniffer dogs out to apparently uh, try and reduce harms from drug use. We'll dig into that a little bit and find out how how, uh, useful that is. Um, And also catching up with Annie Madden from uh, Harm Reduction Australia, uh, talking to us a little bit about what harm reduction is exactly, the philosophy behind it, and what harm reduction uh, is all about. But right now, let's get into this. And psychedelia news of the week. I don't condone or advocate that everyone should use illicit drugs. I think it's a, a huge decision made with the right amount of research and forethought. The intention is to discourage ICE use. The actual effect is it encourages the stigmatisation of people who use this drug. The risk there is people are less likely to disclose their use even when they're experiencing some issues, so they're less likely to access essential health services. The potential for harm increases. People feel hesitant to be open about who they are because they're afraid of judgment from family members or people at work or, or just people in society in general. Many of them have conservative mindsets regardless of their politics uh, and will just say, oh well, then the, the, the government are not looking after us and therefore it seems as a law and order issue rather than a, a social problem that needs to be dealt with on, on a Drug news from Melbourne and around the world. A medical cannabis supplier and campaigner, Jenny Hallam, has uh, gone before the courts in Adelaide on charges for supplying cannabis, surrounded by a sea of supporters. Uh, It was a very short hearing, only five minutes, where the the defence requested documents from the prosecution and all of that kind of jazz. There'll be another hearing in July, but um, it's been really good to see uh, such a strong showing of support in the community there's several people that have been helped uh by jenny and they've shown up to to basically express their support and and 
tell people how she's helped save their lives or the lives of those people close to them. Uh, Notice this week that a young, uh, in fact, one of the youngest uh, WA MPs uh, for, he's a libertarian for the LDP, has come out in support of legalising marijuana. Uh, Good on him. I had a a listen to what he's he's all about and he sounds like uh, an all right dude. I mean, look, he's he's one of your typical uh, libertarians. He's a a white uh, um, uh, sort of. Look, I feel like he looks like me a bit, to be honest. Um, he, he's, he sounds like he's a bit conservative, but he's also a bit sensible uh, when it comes to drug issues, and he understands that prohibition isn't going to stand in the way. Um, so good on him. Uh, good on this uh, man whose name I've forgotten. Uh, yeah, I, I don't recall either. But no, um, Adam, yeah, Adam I think. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We'll post it on the Facebooks page for Encyclopedia. So we've spoken about, um, for quite some time on the show now, the, the violent drug war happening in the Philippines. Um, the United States President Donald Trump has uh, expressed support for President Duterte in the Philippines and in fact invited him to the White House. Uh, this week we've seen a, a different response from some of the senators in the House with a bipartisan bill introduced into the um, the United States legislature uh, and the bill was called the Philippines Human Rights Accountability and Counter-Narcotics Act of 2017 and it seeks to uh, provide restrictions on defense aid to the country and provide additional funding for the Filipino human rights community and supports a public health approach to drug use. So a little bit of a disparity there between the, the Senate and the, uh, the presidential branch of governments in the United States there. Dopamine.net.au has reported on a recent TAC uh, campaign that's come out. Um, uh, I think it's meant to discourage people from drug driving, but the way that they frame it is that if you've smoked cannabis any time in the past, God knows how when, uh, how long, um, then you could be uh, up for a criminal charge. And it received quite the backlash on social media because people went, hang on a minute, so you don't actually care if you're making roads safer, you're just trying to target people that use cannabis. That sounds a bit ridiculous. Uh, dopamine.net.au has, um, has, has a little bit of a report with some quotes from the social media, but if you go and look on the TAC website, you can find this commercial as well. It's on YouTube as well, um, posted by Daniel Andrews on Facebook. Um, just have a look at some of the comments as well. Uh, we've talked about this a lot. Uh, if you find cannabis in somebody's bloodstream, it does not necessarily mean they're impaired. It does not necessarily mean they've had any cannabis in the past 24 hours, 48 hours, or 72 hours. They might not have had cannabis for, like, weeks before. It's And this was ridiculous. the criticisms. Um, you can actually find a few of my friends down there in the comments thread. And, and that was one of the criticisms, is that the, the man uh, refused some, some wine and, and presumably was completely sober and then you know, gets the, the drug yeah, charge in front of his busted. grandmother or whatever. Mm. Oh, poor granny. Some events coming up in the next week. The High Alert campaign launch. It's happening this Thursday, the 11th of May from 6.45 until 7.30. A short event at Hugs and Kisses, 22 Sutherland Street in the CBD. Uh, tickets are available at highalert.eventbrite.com.au. Uh, bright, there, spelt B-R-I-T-E rather than B-R-I-G-H-T. Uh, we will post all of this on social media, as we always do. Uh, other events, Ash? Yeah, a little bit uh, going more nationally here. Uh, the SSDP crew up at Macquarie University are having an event on tomorrow, in fact, uh, Monday the 8th, from 5.30 on campus at Macquarie University at the conference rooms upstairs at the Hub. They'll be screening a movie and hearing from Matt Knopfs, among other speakers. And finally, the Psychedelic Society is having an event this afternoon in Belgrave at the Suki Lounge uh, talking about mushrooms. So please uh, head along to that one. It's 10 bucks on the door. They will be uh, hearing from some experts on the issues uh, and it will be a good event. Psychedelicsociety.com.au if you want more information. This is in Psychedelia on 3CR. On the line, we have Judy from Victoria uh, Street Drug Solutions, uh, the website vicstreetdrugsolutions.org. They're a residence group that ha- are supporting the call for a medically supervised injecting centre in the Richmond area because they're, uh, well, to be uh, honest, they're quite fed up with what's going on down there. Judy, welcome to the program. Yes, thanks, Nick. So, Judy, tell us a little bit about what it's like uh, living in the area at the moment. 
look, Nick, uh, at the moment, it's, um, it's a fairly tricky situation. We know that it is getting worse, just talking to the other residents in the sort of South Abbotsford, North Richmond area. Um, we, the constant sound of sirens is sort of the soundtrack of our lives here. And the, um, I suppose just walking around, doing our daily chores, going to work, going down to Victoria Street, um, visiting each other, we are constantly confronting people who use drugs in our laneways, in our public housing areas. Um, and it's just, it's, I hate to say it, but it's almost become normal. And whilst we, we have a great uh, empathy for the people who use drugs, they're members of our community, uh, it really has got to the stage where um, we seriously need some leadership in the state to manage the problem. Now, and we think that a medically supervised injecting centre, whilst not being the only way we could manage the problem, but it is a key tool in the kit. And this is something that has now been talked about for, I think, the best part of three decades, uh, the need for a medically supervised injecting centre in Melbourne. And it's really become uh, quite clear now that uh, one is needed in that sort of uh, Richmond-Abbotsford uh, uh, area uh, because it, it seems to be um, a bit of a, a bit of a hot spot at the moment, especially for uh, injecting drug use. And um, we, we were uh, Judy and I were at uh, Yarra Drug and Health Forum the other day and heard some interesting stats from uh, the coroner about um, the amount of people that are coming into the, the city of Yarra uh, to uh, purchase and to, to use drugs. Um, and uh, the amount of uh, people that are also uh, overdosing uh, in that area and, and potentially uh, dying. And that's, that's really uh, w- what you're saying we need to avoid here. It's, it's not just the, uh, you know, it's, it's not just that you're, you're, you're sort of going, oh, we need to get rid of these people. You're saying, well, we also need to save these people. <laughs> yes. So um, the, the Safe Injecting Centre, can you, can you tell us a little bit about what is uh, actually being uh, called for? What, what, what is a supervised injecting centre? Well, look, just I'll talk about that in a moment, but one of the things that what you say is absolutely right. We engage with the people who use drugs. I speak to them. Um, you know, you see them about to inject, you walk along, you get out of the way, but then you come back and speak to them. We engage all the time with them. We say, look, I'm Judy, I'm from the residence group, this is what we're trying to do. Would you use the supervised injecting centre? I have never had somebody say no. They say, most of them say, I'm overdoing this. I can't live like this anymore. Some of them will tell you what the problems have been. They've got chronic illnesses. One bloke I spoke to last week had a really bad accident at work about 10 years ago and broke a bone in his neck and he's never been able to satisfactorily treat it in terms of pain. And he said, look, using heroin gives him a bit of relief um, a couple of hours a day, but he said he just can't go on like this. You know, it's, their stories are really, really important. So whilst sometimes, and look, we do get sick of it. I mean, I, whilst we see these people as our brothers and sisters in need, but, you know, sometimes we do have a down day and think, oh, my God, you know, I'm just over it. But we really need to, as a community, acknowledge that this is not going to go away. And as you said, Nick... We were at the Yarra Drug and Health Forum on Monday and um, we heard some pretty frightening stats about what's happening or potentially in the future in terms of uh, heroin supply into our country increasing. The other thing that was really interesting was that 69% of the people who come to Victoria Street to buy and use drugs come from other LGAs or local government areas. So they're not all from here. They come from right across Melbourne and, in fact, right across regional Victoria. So it is a statewide issue. Uh, I think sometimes people think it's just about North Richmond, and it's not. It's about the whole of the state. And in terms of the injecting centre, um, we actually think we're not the only area that needs one. It's just that we live here, and so we're advocating for one in our spot. But I would name five other places, areas of Melbourne, that probably would use one. 
Um, in terms of the injecting centre, um, I've been to the injecting centre at King's Cross to see it, how it works. Um, it's the most compassionate, professional, um, low-key in respect of its presence on the street. You can't, you know, it looks like a doctor's clinic. Um, the way that it's run is based on the way a hundred other injecting centres across the world run, so it's all evidence-based. And uh, I suppose the key is that people take their own drugs in. They're not... They, you can't deal in the injecting centre. It's prohibited, but they can take their own own drugs in there and it's not just heroin, it can be methamphetamine, it can be prescription drugs and they they use them in there. But if they overdose, the medically trained nurses, uh, emergency nurses can take a, a um, canister of oxygen and get them going again initially without using um, Narcan as people know it. Uh, if it doesn't work, they can then start using small doses of Narcan to bring them back. Whereas currently in my laneway in, in Abbotsford, when somebody overdoses and the paramedics turn up, two micro, two micro units and an ambulance, so three units with lots of professional people for an hour and a, an hour and a half, we'll treat that person or persons immediately with uh, the Narcan, which, you know, um, is not a good... I mean, if it brings them back to life, it is a great outcome, but there are some downsides to that as well. So, uh, so the whole running of the injecting centre is not only about saving lives, which is key, but it's also then about referring them to health services, rehab services, um, homelessness, um, you know, support networks, um, Centrelink, you know, it's, it's a really holistic approach. And, you know, speaking to the people in King's Cross they say, the, who run the injecting centre, they say, look, the majority of people want to get off using drugs, being dependent on these illicit substances. They, they've been doing it for years. They know it's, it's a dreadful way to live, you know, finding your next hit every day. Um, you know, it's like, I mean, I gave up smoking 30 years ago, Nick, and I was a pretty tragic smoker. In those days, we could smoke at work and smoke in the pubs and smoke in trams. And I wouldn't have been able to do it without Quit. Uh, Quit was a harm minimisation organisation, and I'm really glad it was there to get me through it. I've been clean from nicotine for 30 years. So I just see, in a way, this is sort of no different. We need to acknowledge that people need help. People say it's their choice and they should just stop. Well... For those of any of your listeners who've ever tried to give up smoking or give up alcohol, it's not that easy and we need to support people. Harm reduction refers to policies, programs and practices that aim primarily to reduce the adverse health, social and economic consequences of the use of legal and illegal psychoactive drugs without necessarily reducing drug consumption. Harm reduction benefits people who use drugs, their families and the community. If you want to know more about harm reduction in Victoria, head to hrvic.org.au. Harm Reduction Victoria is a non-profit, user-based and user-governed organisation which aims to educate, inform, support and advocate for people who use drugs, their friends, families and broader community. 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM digital and streaming at the website 3cr.org.au. You are listening to In Psychedelia where we are covering all things drugs and have been for close to two years now. It's uh, coming up nearly two years, about a year and three quarters if we want to be really specific about it. And uh, in that time, it's funny, I feel like we're going on a bit of a Bit of a uh, round, what are these things called? Roundy, roundy. Roundabout. Uh, roundabout. Well, merry-go-round. Thank you. It is It is quite the <laughs> merry-go-round. Uh, sitting here in the studio now uh, with um, Ash, of course, and also Nevina Sporovska from the High Alert campaign. Um, High Alert uh, has a campaign that's just been launched in the past couple of weeks in response to Operation Safe Night. Operation Safe Night is the police response, they say, to the Chapel Street incident that happened earlier this year. The Chapel Street incident being a number of people that overdosed on uh, some substances and were uh, rushed to hospital, got a lot of press, and um, the response that came from the community of people uh, who use drugs and people who know what they're talking about was to... Uh, was to um, 
uh, call for pill testing, <coughs> which we've been calling for for the entire length of this program and beforehand. Uh, unfortunately, the uh, police, who uh, have most of the resources, uh, were the ones to step in, and they have started Operation Safe Night. They're getting sniffer dogs out on the street in uh, Chapel Street and, um, and, and checking people on their way to nightclubs and, uh, and more, actually. Uh, Nev, welcome to the program. Nick, it's so lovely to be here. Now, tell us a little bit about um, how, how deep Operation Safe Night is going, because it's not, it's not just about sniffer dogs on the street, as, um, as I've learned more recently. Absolutely. So it's about as deep as a black hole, and that's just what we know. We understand that they're going to be cooperating not only with the dog squad, but highway patrol. So this will mean that not only can cars be inspected coming onto the venues, it also means that patrons will be checked before they enter the nightclubs. There will be undercover police posing as buyers aged 18 to 25, as well as police patrolling toilets, toilets in nightclubs and music venues as part of this all-encompassing campaign and just this attack on our civil liberties in Melbourne. So you've, you've started uh, uh, high alert, <coughs> sorry, high alert as a campaign response to Operation Safe Night. Uh, what are you planning on doing with high alert? So High Alert, that's highalert.com.au, is an independent apolitical campaign that provides people with legal information, support and referrals. So you can come to us to get some more info about what's happening and what this is. If you get caught up with Safe Night, we can provide you some advice on that. And through our High Alert hotline, we're also able to give people who sign up information about where the police may be, and they can treat that information how they like. So uh, this issue uh, has been only going on for a short amount of time, and I know that you've been on the uh, campaign trail heavily with this. I heard you on 3AW earlier this week, um, and I've seen some of the response online to High Alert, and uh, and so maybe some of our listeners might, might, might be thinking, but hang on, people are breaking the law if they're taking drugs, and people are putting themselves at risk. People are uh, unnecessarily putting themselves at risk, and police are just there to, to help them stay safe. So why why should we be having any response to a police response that's there to keep people safe? Look, Nick, I think we'd love if this were actually keeping people safe. But we know from documented evidence, not only from Sydney, but in the broader use of dogs, that they're incorrect 60 to 80% of the time. So this means they don't detect drugs. And if there is any drugs on a person, it's usually just a small personable amount. So they're not going after high-level bus. They're not going after the quote-unquote bad guys. They're targeting people who choose to use drugs. Another reason why this is so harmful is it often leads to behaviour uh, based on fear. And this can be ingesting all of your drugs if you see the police. And it also leads to the marginalisation of people who have complicated relationships with the force. So people who don't react badly, they may think, well, they are just doing their jobs, but these people probably haven't been on the other side of a Johnny Fopper. Mm. Uh, so we're seeing uh, Operation Safe Night uh, out there uh, saying that they're trying to to, to save people from the harms of drugs. But as, as we know, we've talked about these sorts of issues on the program before. Often police responses are uh, inadequate uh, at reducing harms and often what they do is exacerbate harms in different ways and engender mistrust among the community of people who use drugs um, towards the police, which makes it more difficult for them to then go and approach police when something might actually be going wrong. Uh, and and it's a it's a difficult issue as I mean we cover this a lot on the program as well we talk a, a lot about um, uh, drug use it's it's one of these uh, crimes that's a, often a victimless crime or the victim and perpetrator are the one and the same person so on the one hand we've got police saying that they're going to protect people by taking them away uh, but I don't know if they're going to be strip searching people we haven't seen that yet in as part of Operation Safe Night but we know that other sniffer dog operations uh, across Victoria have led to strip strip searches. Um, and I believe at, um, at at some events as well, um, and 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 these sorts of things don't don't really uh, end up uh, helping anybody. It just seems to make things worse. It's it's really it feels like we're at a bit of a stalemate constantly with this with this drug issue. Uh, so 
I think um, we did cover earlier in the year the the Victoria Police actually identified the substances involved in the Chapel Street incident and it was later leaked to the press, but they didn't share that information with the community. So I think it's a little bit disingenuous for them to say that their their response is based on community safety when they're withholding important information. Is there is there any indication that that's likely to change with this operation if they seize any particular dangerous substances? Are they going to continue to withhold that information from the public? There is no indication that any information sharing will happen. And touching on something that has been related to when it comes to the very tragic Chapel Street incident is that the sniffer dogs would not be able to detect the substance that made those drugs so deadly. So this, as a response to the Chapel Street incident, just doesn't add up. And what else doesn't add up, Nick, is that in the latest operation, we had 172 vehicles checked. We had 129 people interviewed and that resulted in 20 arrests. And that went wrong from about midnight to 5am. So let's just crunch some of those numbers. 6.6% of the people and cars checked resulted in arrests. That was over five hours. That's five hours of searching for four arrests on average. Now, that's not including all the additional court costs. If that does lead to a conviction, that doesn't include all of the time that training the dogs beforehand. That doesn't include all the salaries of the police officers, the dog foods. This is a huge campaign. And imagine if we could be diverting those resources elsewhere, as opposed to scaring people who are going out for a good time. And this is something relatively new for Melbourne's night uh, nightlife scene, uh, but it's not something new for Sydney's. Have you been in contact with uh, colleagues in New South Wales and heard about what's been going on in New South Wales with their sniffer dog operations and how successful they've been or unsuccessful? Perhaps? I did speak to David Shoebridge. He's the New South Wales Greens MP who pioneered the sniff-off campaign. He supports high alert and obviously sees that those same civil liberty breaches are happening in Victoria as they've been happening in Sydney. Sadly, in Sydney, it's much worse. So it's not only the train stations that are being targeted, it's pubs, it's nightclubs, it's dogs walking through at indiscriminate times during the day, at night, and it's changed the entire culture of nightlife. What used to be a very vibrant and captivating city, now some of the pioneers of that scene no longer feel safe going out. It's not whether they do or don't take drugs. That's their own choice. They don't feel safe having their personal nightclub space, which is a safe space for many people, especially in the queer community, invaded by members of the New South Wales Police who have a horrific history when it comes to interacting with that particular community. Uh, Something that's um, sort of I don't know if we've asked this question a lot when we've been hearing about Operation Safe Night, but it seems to be uh, focused on one particular precinct in Melbourne, and it's certainly not the only precinct across Melbourne where people take drugs. We know that the footballers do across all of suburban Melbourne. We often hear about the uh, footballer uh, drug-taking. We know that in the North, uh, the North is well-renowned for uh, culture that might have uh, drugs at its uh, basis as well. We know and that the it's happening Paris in the end of Collins Street. And, and, and <laughs> the CBD, of course. And now the West is also, you know, there's all sorts of things. Why why are we seeing something on that sort of Chapel Street precinct and that, that area? I'm sure the uh, Victoria Police press release would have you believe that it's because it relates to the deaths that occurred earlier this year. But it's also the epicentre of queer culture in Melbourne. So whether we're going to be seeing uh, a higher incidence of queer clubs targeted or whether this is purely coincidental, which very few things are in such a concentrated and aggressive police operation, we will know from now until August as it operates on irregular Saturdays. Irregular. So we don't even know which Saturdays it's going to be happening, do we? No, we don't. And that's what makes the High Alert Hotline such an asset to anyone who may want to be empowered with that information. So so tell us a little bit about uh, High Alert and what you'll be doing for the people, uh, for the community, for the people on the streets, for the people that are going out to nightclubs. Uh, how does High Alert help? Certainly. So for anyone who's interested in protecting their civil liberties, so that's their right to privacy, to move about freely in the street um, in those nightclubs 
precincts for people who use drugs or people who just know and understand that that war is over and we're sick and tired of talking and fighting about it. And we just want to take measured, considered approaches to helping people in these situations. So if you sign up to our High Load hotline, that's on 0402 739-808-0402-739-808. Just text in your mobile number, no identifying information. We'll add you to our database and you will receive a text message when we uh, receive information about where the police are operating. Through our website, we're also taking real political action. We have an official parliamentary e-petition that's been sponsored by Fiona Patton. This has 153 signatures in four days of operation, which is quite astounding considering it's only the seventh e-petition that has been made for the Victorian Parliament. We also have a function that helps people write to their MPs. Just a little hack that I've picked up in my seven years in politics. For every person who writes, calls or emails their MP, they're believed to represent the views of a hundred other people. So be the loud minority. If we don't take a stand now, we don't know how far. This is the slippery slope argument at its worst. If you asked me a year ago whether this was possible in Melbourne, I would have thought it laughable. Now, here I am making a campaign about it. The website again is highalert.com.au and the phone number, uh, if you want to SMS uh, your number and your name along to it. No name, just No name, just your number, sorry. Or a message of support if you'd like to, an anonymous one, of course. Doesn't need to be uh, anything, so there's no no worries about uh, privacy there. 0402-739-808. Uh, and on Wicker as well, I'm seeing. That's right. So if you want to Wicker your mobile number, High Alert Melb. That's High Alert M E L B. And the petition we will also post on the Encyclopedia Facebook page so that you can get in touch. And uh, again, highalert.com.au. Uh, Nev, it's a it's a very important thing that you're doing, and it's it's just one small part though of this of this ongoing campaign to change our drug laws and our drug policies. Uh, we've got a we've got an inquiry before Victorian Parliament at the moment. We're not going to see anything of it until March next year. But in the meantime, we need to be making sure to stop things like Operation Safe Night, uh, which is I, I mean, it's very Orwellian language in the first place. Safe night, except it's uh, probably not going to make a lot of people's nights a lot safer. Uh, thank you very much for joining us in, in Psychedelia and talking thank to us. Thank you so much. Thank you to your listeners for tuning in. Merging the dark energy of psychedelic bass with the grime tinged beats of Mun Halftime. This is White Bear's latest release. Uh, it's M O R, more, I guess, uh, from White Bear. WhiteBearSounds.bandcamp.com to go for more. We're going to be speaking with Annie Madden shortly on In Psychedelia.
Uh, hi, my name's Sarah. I love coming here because they offer vegan food. Hi, my name's Paul. I, this is my first time at Friends of the Earth. I think it's really awesome and the food's great, really healthy and nutritious. Friends of the Earth Food Co-op, 312 Smith Street, Collingwood. A tuneful experience. A 3CR supporter. In 2016, 3CR published a book to celebrate the station's 40th birthday. Years in the making, Radical Radio, celebrating 40 years of 3CR, is a visually stunning account of the people and ideas that make up this dynamic station. At 300 pages, the book includes hundreds of images and over 50 features on programs, people, music and technology from across the decades. You can get your copy of 3CR's book for $49.50 at the station during business hours at 21 Smith Street Fitzroy or online at 3cr.org. .au forward slash shop. Get a piece of your own history. 3CR's Radical Radio is available now. FreeCR Community Radio, 855am, digital and streaming at the website 3cr.org.au. You're listening to In Psychedelia. Uh, if you want to find out any information about anything that is broadcast on the show, do head to the 3CR website and follow the links to the In Psychedelia program page where you can find us on Facebook, you can find us on Twitter, and you can also find our own website where we have a number of uh, articles about some of the issues uh, that we talk about published and also our podcast uh, right now on the line, we have uh, Annie Madden from Harm Reduction Australia. Uh, Annie is also a long-time uh, a worker and advocate for harm reduction uh, from a number of roles. Uh, she was formerly working with uh, AVIL, the Australian um, Injecting and Illicit Drug Users League, which that acronym still... That d- yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. once, but, once upon a time was the Australian Injecting Intravenous League. Which is right, 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 that's yeah. where it comes. <laughs> Annie, welcome to the program. Hi, thank you. <laughs> Lovely to be here. Now, today is International Harm Reduction Day. Uh, it's a day where across the world uh, we take a look at harm reduction policies and we uh, take a look at the current situation of drug policies and, and how well they're actually dealing with the sorts of harms uh, that are associated with drug use. And uh, I think a lot of the time, <laughs> countries are getting bad report cards on this. Uh, yeah. Where are we at, Annie? Look, I mean, I guess, you know, really to say, Nick, that the whole reason that we're talking about Harm Reduction Australia, a relative, a very new organisation on the map in Australia, I mean, that in itself gives you an indication of perhaps just how poorly things are doing in a way, because... Um, myself, colleagues, Gino Zombaka, uh, who was formerly of the Australian National Council on Drugs, and Tony Trimmingham, people may know from Family Drug Support. The three of us kind of came together uh, about, you know, two or three years ago now and started talking about the, the, the need, in fact, to establish Harm Reduction Australia. Um, and part of that was because of our dismay of just how badly Australia is doing. In the, in the harm reduction space um, now, in, in, you know, in the, uh, you know, 20, at then was 2015, now 2017. And it was, you know, really, I guess what you would say is as someone who's been involved for a long time, once upon a time, Australia was seen as quite a leader internationally in harm reduction work, harm reduction initiatives, uh, just in harm reduction in a policy sense, if you like, at the government level. Uh, that's no longer the case. It hasn't been for some time. I think we were on the front foot, foot uh, maybe 20 years ago, 25 years ago, with HIV AIDS, uh, the advent of HIV AIDS and the development of needle and syringe programs as, you know, one of the first countries in the world to develop that. But, you know, since that time, we've really done very little and, in fact, We've gone backwards in a whole lot of areas. And so the idea behind Harm Reduction Australia was to kind of try and put harm reduction back front and central uh, on, the, on the public discussion, public awareness, and certainly in terms of drug policy. So for those who are listening and uh, might sort of in, in principle sort of understand the idea of harm reduction, um, a lot of people sort of get confused around what that might mean and might confuse other concepts in there. Um, yep. Practically, what is harm reduction uh, in terms of policy and, and in terms of people's everyday lives? Yeah. I mean, harm reduction is actually, I always talk about it as just completely common sense, actually. You know, it's a, it is what it says it is. It's about 
reducing the harms as much as possible. It, it takes a neither condemn nor condone approach to drug use is often the way it's described. So it sort of says, we just simply accept that drug use, uh, licit and illicit or legal and illegal, is a, just a reality. It's a reality in society. It has been for millennia. It will be for millennia to come. And given that... Um, what we should be aiming to do as a society is is to reduce potential harms associated with drug use um, as much as possible. And there are some really clear and straightforward ways to do that, ways that we, you know, research and practice has shown over a very long period of time are very effective at, at reducing drug-related harm. Um, and I, you're right, sometimes I think harm reduction does get uh, confused. Uh, people talk about harm minimisation, um, and that's a quite a different concept. Uh, harm minimisation is actually, um, you know, a policy approach, I guess, that involves uh, a three-pillared approach, including drugs, you know, supply reduction, demand reduction and harm reduction. So, you know, that's law enforcement and prisons and corrections in the, in the sort of supply reduction area, demand reduction being things like prevent, prevention education to prevent people taking up drug use in the first place and abstinence-based drug treatment, and then harm reduction, which in practice is things like needle and syringe programs, um, methadone programs, uh, safe-injecting facilities or safe-injecting rooms, uh, drug-checking programs, all those kinds of initiatives are all harm reduction. Um, in its in its purest sense, and it's about reducing drug related harm at its core. So, so harm reduction is is sort of a uh, a response to what's actually going on, while something like uh, supply reduction or demand reduction is sort of uh, attempting to change what might happen in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. In, in, in some ways, harm reduction is, is the non-prescriptive model. It's the one that actually deals with reality, reality. And, yes, yeah, and exactly. what's going on. Yeah, and that's kind of why I, I often do talk about it as just a very common sense approach. You know, it's sort of, as you say, not fighting against those things that are just a reality in our lives, but sort of saying, well, how do we live with those? How do we, as a society, come to terms with that and ensure that, you know, um, basically, you know, one of the things harm reduction does is it saves lives. And, and that's, you know, that's been shown over decades now to be the case and, and is therefore an extremely effective and very cost-effective program, yeah. You're with uh, In Psychedelia on 3CR, uh, Nick and Ash speaking with Annie Madden from Harm Reduction Australia on this International Harm Reduction Day. Uh, hashtag is IHRD2017. Actually, it might probably be just 17. Hashtag IHRD17 if you're on social media and want to see some of the posts. Uh, usually there's a, a variety of academics uh, that post on these days and will give you some interesting facts and you'll be able to find out about what's going on. Uh, but with, with Harm Reduction Australia, what, what sorts of campaigns do you have uh, on the horizon, Annie? Yeah, well, look, you know, Harm Reduction Australia, as I said, is a very young organisation. We're just into our first, you know, um, uh, board that's been sort of elected, if you like. We had an inaugural board that was appointed, but this is our first elected board. So very young organisation, uh, voluntary. But one of the core things about Harm Reduction Australia is we've been very conscious about not taking or seeking government funding at this point. Uh, we wanted an organisation that could be truly independent and speak our voice on some of the issues and the concerns we have around drug policy in particular. So um, that does, I guess, in some ways, the flip side of, of that is that it does limit what you can do in terms of large-scale programs sometimes. Uh, but, to, you know, to that end, we are uh, often partnering with other organisations. We are about to do a series of uh, national forums around uh, looking at what the future holds for drug treatment in Australia, so looking at uh, particularly in terms of what's called opioid pharmacotherapy, that's things like methadone and, and buprenorphine programs, so looking at uh, the future of those and, and uh, there'll be state-based forums and getting key stakeholders to those forums to talk about what the future is and how those programs can be expanded, how we can expand access, uh, get more people uh, able to access the treatment they want and need. Um, and uh, we're also involved in uh, the International Harm Reduction Conference that is coming up uh, very soon in Montreal this year in Canada. Uh, that's coming up in the next few weeks. And 
and we are sort of uh, quite active in wanting to see if we can get uh, an international harm reduction conference back in Australia in the next few years, if possible. So that's one of the things we're also working on. Uh, we do regularly do submissions to any sort of government inquiries and, and policy uh, submission processes that are going. So we have uh, made a submission to the current Victorian uh, drug law reform inquiry uh, and, um, you know, have a number of our other members uh, individually and their organisations have also made submissions there as well. So we're doing that, those kinds of things. We put out media releases. We do quite a lot of work in the media. That's probably been one of the places that people who do know of Harm Reduction Australia at the moment may well have seen um, our president, Gino Vumbaka, doing uh, media pieces on social media and in uh, things like The Conversation, The Huffington Post, those types of things. So, um, you know, The Age. So we do try and sort of uh, keep the public conversation going on these issues. And I guess finally I would say we're really trying to drive forward our members, you know, getting new members new. We have a group that we call Advocates. Um, I guess they're similar to patrons, but we're not using that term. We're, we're getting people who are perhaps known in the sector or have uh, strong views on these issues, ex-politicians, uh, people like that, CEOs, those types of things, people who might stand up uh, in public and make representations on the issue of harm reduction and the things we believe in. So we're always looking for new members for the organisation. Um, just to change tack a little bit, yeah. Annie, um, I was at the Friedman conference last weekend and somebody asked for a recommendation of, you know, some small thing that they could read. And I um, pointed them to uh, a history of drug user activism in Australia, a small book that um, I believe you wrote. Um, which I think is a really interesting story that isn't often told. People hear yeah. about like Dr. Alex Wodak and, and the sure. professionals involved in setting up some of these things like needle syringe programs. Yeah. Um, maybe if you want to touch a little bit on that history yeah. and, and how are we doing these days with involving like the, yeah. these communities, people who inject drugs themselves yeah. in, in that discussion around harm reduction and treatment options. Are we integrating that well into the conversation in, in the modern time? Yeah. Look, unfortunately, I'd love to say we are, <laughs> but I think you know it, it wouldn't. I wouldn't be being entirely uh, honest to say that. I, you know, I think uh, drug user organisations are such an amazing thing in Australia. You know, such an amazing legacy, and um, you know that most many countries in the world don't have anything like it. Australia really has led the way now for decades on, on having organisations of both people who use illicit drugs and people who inject illicit drugs and, and everything in between. And it, and it is, a, uh, they're rare organisations and that they need to be protected because um, it is a voice we don't hear enough of in the drug policy debate, uh, the people who have direct lived experience of these issues and um, who, who often have a very good understanding of, of what will work and what's needed, uh, but we don't include them enough. So um, I think, you know, particularly in service provision in areas like drug treatment and such, you know, uh, health consumers of, of other health services, they are kind of quite uh, routinely consulted now um, as far as policy development and service development goes. But when it comes to things like drug treatment services, uh, consumers of those services are rarely consulted in their development. So that's like one example, if you like. Um, I think that, uh, you know, so it, it's hard to do that work, though. I mean, I did do it, you know, most of my adult life. I have one way or another been an activist or an advocate or both uh, working for drug user organisations and speaking up on behalf of people who inject and use the drugs. And, um, you know, there are prices to pay for that. Um, it, it's... It's a taboo conversation in society. People, um, you know, often don't want to talk about these things, but uh, it is it is really important that we hear the voices of the people who are who are living these issues and uh, can provide us with really great insights into what we need to be doing. So, um, yeah, it was. Uh, I wrote that little. Uh, pamphlet really, booklet thing if you like, in the lead up to what was a very large international conference here in 2014 it was now uh, the International HIV and AIDS Conference that was held in Melbourne and um, it was written to kind of uh, commemorate, you know, to sort of celebrate if you like, drug user organisations as part of that 
event and um, and it, it was a real privilege to write it and to sort of have the opportunity to reflect back on just the amazing people that I've worked with, the amazing activists that I've worked with over the years, many of whom are dead. Um, that's the sad reality. Um, my life in working in drug user organisations and in my personal life, I've, you know, there's been way too many people die of pre- entirely preventable um, Things like drug overdoses, heroin overdoses, HIV AIDS, hepatitis C related uh, causes. It, it, it's all too familiar. And um, as I said, they are preventable. And this is the area that's where we need to be working. We need to be really uh, doing everything we can to uh, improve the health and human rights of, of people who use drugs. I believe it is one of our most pressing social justice issues of our time, actually. And um, and, and I will fight <laughs> with my last breath on these issues, to tell you the truth, yeah. Now, we know uh, you don't have much time left, Annie, but uh, um, you, you mentioned a, a bit earlier that you've made a submission uh, to an inquiry that's going on in Victoria at the moment, yep. and it's a wide-ranging inquiry into the drug laws and the policies uh, that we, we currently engage in. Uh, can you give us a little bit of an insight into the sorts of things that you would hope might come out of this inquiry based on the submission that you have made? Yeah. Look, I think there are some very uh, pressing issues facing Victoria at the moment. Uh, drug-related uh, opiate, in particular, opiate-related overdoses, but not only drug-related overdoses generally, are uh, you know really um, increasing. Uh, we're reaching levels that uh, you know back um, in the in the kind of around 2000, 2001, were considered to be completely unacceptable levels of uh, death associated with. Um, you know, the, the inaction we take around illicit drugs, uh, that's what they were considered back then. We have similar or higher levels now. Um, so, you know, from my perspective, we need to be taking it extremely seriously, as seriously as we did then. We need to be looking at things like um, very easy access and free or very affordable access to naloxone provision to reverse opioid overdoses, for example, or heroin overdoses. We need to be looking at uh, drug checking as a standardised um, service that, that people can access freely at um, events and music festivals around Victoria. We know that works. We know it's effective. We know it saves lives. Let's just do it. Mm-hmm. We need uh, safe injecting facilities in places where there are active street drug scenes, such as in North Richmond, but obviously wherever they occur, they are extremely effective in those types of environments. Once again, the evidence is in. We don't need any more trials or research or whatever. Let's just get on and do it and save lives and and have it done with. Um, Ultimately, I mean, we need to expand access to drug treatment services that are effective and work, particularly uh, substitution programs, particularly for stimulant users. We need to get that right. We need to end this kind of ridiculous moral rhetoric around methamphetamine use and the the complete sort of um, marginalisation of people who use methamphetamine. extremely harmful. Um, And I guess, you know, ultimately uh, what I'd really like to see is that we start seriously looking at the issue of drug law reform. Mm. I mean, the time has come. Other countries are moving ahead on this. We need to be looking at it. I don't think we should stop at something like a decriminalisation type approach. I think that would be helpful. It would be a nice first step. We should definitely decriminalise you know, per, the personal use of small amounts of currently illicit substances, that would be helpful. But I think ultimately we need to be definitely looking at a fully regulated market and, and you know, get on with the job of um, reducing the harms and the, the too many deaths that are currently associated with the war on drugs and war on drug users. Couldn't agree with you more, Annie Madden. Thank you very much no for worries, chatting with us. <laughs> and again, uh, it is International Harm Reduction Day. Annie Madden is from Harm Reduction Australia. If you want to follow along, the conversation is happening online. Hashtag IHRD17. Uh, if you're on Twitter, if you're on Facebook, uh, probably Instagram as well, any social media outlet, uh, you will find more conversation. And um, that... A little booklet that I mentioned, the History of Drug User Activism in Australia, is available on the Harm Reduction Victoria website. If you go to hrvic.org.au slash resources, you'll find a digital copy of it there, and I highly recommend it. And before we uh, finish up, um, I just want to mention as well that Annie does uh, produce a podcast as well. Uh, Annie, uh, do you want to just quickly tell us about where (laughs) listeners might be able to find your podcast if they're interested in hearing more from you? 
Yeah, sure. I'm currently a PhD candidate at University of New South Wales in Sydney. So I do a, a podcast called Speak, The Speakeasy with uh, Annie Madden and Carla Trelaw. Um, and you can get it on the UNSW website, uh, University of New South Wales website. If you put Speakeasy into their website, uh, you'll find that. That's our long version. We interview people every month on that. Uh, lots of people, you know, interesting people in the drug policy space. And then we do a, a short version, a 15-minute or less version called Extra Easy uh, once every fortnight. So um, that's just kind of touching base on things that have caught our eye over that, that fortnight. So. Yeah. So if you want to, if you want to be part of that ongoing conversation, uh, do have a listen to that podcast. We will post it on our social media, on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, 3cr.org.au is the place to go. Follow the links to the Psychedelia website, and you'll find us there. Annie Madden, thank you very much for joining us no on Psychedelia today. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Bye, guys. This is in Psychedelia on International Harm Reduction Day. If you want to follow the conversation online, hashtag IHRD17 is the place to have a look at. We have spoken to Annie Madden uh, from Harm Reduction Australia and Nevada Sporovska from High Alert, highalert.com.au, a response to the Operation Safe Night. Uh, so-called campaign from Victoria Police. Uh, We do hope you enjoy the rest of your Sunday afternoon. The Australian Psychedelic Society will be kicking off an event in Belgrave from 3.30. They're going to be looking at uh, mushrooms, uh, specifically the magic ones. Uh, If you are interested in getting along, it's 10 bucks at the door at Suki Lounge in Belgrave. Please do head along uh, and support them. If you want more information, psychedelicsociety.com.au There's plenty, always plenty coming up, so don't don't forget to uh, get onto our podcast, 3cr.org.au. Subscribe to the podcast uh, on the Encyclopedia program page. Uh, catch up with what's been going on, and we will speak to you next week. It is Queering the Air Up next on 3CR. See you later. This is Encyclopedia. Comments, complaints, or contributions are welcome. Jump on the 3CR website. 3cr.org.au and head to the Encyclopedia program page. Get in contact with us on Facebook or Twitter or send us an email. Encyclopedia does not condone or condemn people who use drugs for their choices. Our aim is to present the diverse intersections of psychoactive drugs and society. If you are concerned about your own drug use or a friend's drug use, DirectLine provides a free and confidential counselling service 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Call 1-800-888-236. Encyclopedia will be back on 3CR from 2pm next Sunday. You've been listening to a 3CR community radio podcast of Encyclopedia. Find us on Facebook and Twitter.